If you would have told me in, say, 2010, that I would be having a conversation with Mike, the situation, Sorrentino from MTV's Jersey Shore, and that I would bring him close to tears not once, but twice, I probably would have laughed right in your face. But exactly that happened. And let me tell you, I found Mike to be absolutely lovely, as you're about to hear in our conversation today. Mike's life has no doubt been abundantly blessed, but along with the highs, he has had enormous lows, drug addiction, going to prison for tax evasion, nearly losing a child. He was one of the most famous faces of the turn of the aughts decade, a millionaire ensconced in the party lifestyle and living life to the fullest, or so it might seem from the outside looking in. He'll tell you that his life now as a husband and a father beats even the wildest of his times as a world famous reality star. Mike has written a truly beautiful book, Reality Check, Making the Best of the Situation, which is a great title, I might add, and it is out tomorrow, December 19th. He spares no detail in telling his story, which he truly feels will save lives, and I agree with him. Now, there's no way you don't know who he is, but just a refresher, he appeared on all six seasons of the MTV reality show Jersey Shore from 2009 to 2012, and then returned to the franchise with Jersey Shore Family Vacation. He was also a contestant on season 11 of Dancing with the Stars and the 10th season of Celebrity Big Brother and numerous other reality shows. He also had numerous endorsement deals with the likes of GNC, Reebok, a clothing line, a rap song, a workout DVD, you name it. He developed a deep addiction to opioids, specifically oxycodone, and has been sober for eight years since December 2015. Wait until you hear about his rock bottom moment, listeners. In addition to battling drug addiction, Mike was charged with tax fraud in September 2014 for not paying $8.9 million in taxes. In April 2017, further charges were levied against him, and on January 19, 2018, he pled guilty to one count of tax evasion as part of a plea bargain with prosecutors. He was sentenced on October 5, 2018 to eight months in prison, and he began his sentence on January 15, 2019, and was released on September 12, 2019. We talk about all of the highs and all of the lows today, and I know you will be as blown away as I was. Take a listen. You have no idea how excited I am to have you here. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm so excited uh, to do this podcast. Well, we just had a great conversation offline and you've been talking about the book all day, talking about your life story. I'm so glad you're here to talk to me about it. And I want to start with the beginning of the book. You write, the comeback is always better than the setback. So I just told you a minute ago that this book really goes there. Some celebrity memoirs gloss over it, but you really tell the truth. It's so candid and vulnerable. And I'm wondering what has been the hardest part of your comeback and also on the flip side, the most rewarding. Um, Probably the hardest part of my comeback was uh, addiction. Um. <laughs> You know, so many people die uh, from addiction. So many people don't make it. Um, Addiction is like staring the devil in the face um, and Mm -hmm. somehow uh, surviving. And uh, once I, you know, became a champion of addiction and started to defeat my demons, um, I realized that I can, I can achieve anything. Um, And, and, and that's, um, 
that's where the uh, the power within me uh, really started to grow. And I started to become an elevated version of myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I really adapted the principles of recovery, the 12 steps, and I've, I adopted the serenity prayer, um, I kind of made it my own. Um, and, um, but um, what was, what was definitely uh, just as hard was when my uh, first son um was uh, in the NICU. Yeah, that uh, was a terrifying part of the yeah. book. I was, yeah. I, I honestly didn't know how it was going to turn out. I hoped, of course, that he made it. And I was so nervous for a minute, but he made it. He made it. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was definitely terrified uh, uh, because when you have a baby, um, your expectation is that you're going to um, leave the hospital, you know, a day or so later and, and start to, you know, live the life of your dreams, mm-hmm. your family. Um, but, you know, uh, like a lot of families and, and others listening right now, that's not the case a lot of the times. And so I wanted to detail um, this particular uh, trying time um, to let people out there know that they, they're they not the only one if if maybe they've been through something similar to make it relatable to mm-hmm. the reader. Um, so, the, so those two times alone were, were extremely trying. Um, but I'm proud to say that, you know, we definitely made it to the, uh, the other side. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So let's rewind to the height of your fame. So at one point you were the second highest paid reality star, second only to Kim Kardashian, by the way, that's a pretty high bar. You were making millions. You're on Jersey shore. The world knows you GTL. What is it like to have that level of intoxicating fame, because there's a lot of famous people, yeah. but there's not a lot of people that reached that level of fame. You really did grab the world's attention and you were one of a kind. So, but what is it like to have that kind of intoxicating fame, all consuming? It's definitely, um, addic- addicting for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is excess, um, between the drugs, uh, the women, uh, the parties, uh, no one is saying no to you. I mean, no one. I mean, doctors are not saying no to you. Police are not saying no wow. to you. Yeah. Uh, you're at every party. Um, everyone just wants to be around you and take photos with you. And and I document in the book um, these parties and the drugs and the women and and how eventually I escaped that life of excess uh, and destruction to the family man you see today. Well, that's an interesting point that you bring up because you have struggled with addiction. Fame isn't an addiction of itself, right? And so that, you know, you probably took the fame all the way because that's, that's really interesting to think about. So did your life change overnight after the Jersey Shore premiere or was it more of a slow build? Um. I think that um, it wasn't necessarily a slow build, but the my life changed overnight from, um, I would think, 2009 to 2010. Mm-hmm. Because uh, in, let's just say, um, 2008, 2009, I didn't make enough money to even file a tax return because I was a young man. I was in mm-hmm. my 20s. Uh, maybe I was a waiter. Maybe I was a stripper. <laughs> right. Uh, you don't make enough money. You don't even have to file a tax return. And then on the face, the first page of my book, 
you know, it's now uh, 2010. Jersey Shore is now a cultural phenomenon. I'm now making upwards of $5 million. The president, Barack Obama, is mentioning me at the inauguration address. <laughs> I have a Ferrari and a Bentley outside with my my nickname, Sitch, on the license plate. Um, I, you know, I have GTL laundry bags and ab cream. I got uh, my own Christmas ornament, bobbleheads. I mean, you are just high on life and high mm -hmm. on yourself. Not to mention, I was at, at that particular time, I was deep in addiction and I had in my pocket probably 200 uh, Rocassettes, which are 30 milligram uh, oxycodones. Mm. And my brother informs me and says, hey, you had an amazing year. The black sheep of the family was now world famous. Yeah. Okay. Um, you got to file your taxes. And that was, to be honest with you, I mean, it's a bummer for everyone, but, you know, we all we, we all know we have to do that. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I now know that now. Uh, but right. back then, that changed from 2008 and nine to 10, when you don't have to file till you have to file. He's like, or maybe you can get him next year. And I was like, oh, wow, that's possible. Okay, we can get and him next year. Of course you'd say that, right? Because yeah, of, of you, How old are you? You're like 23? 24 maybe? No, it's probably like uh, 26. Okay. Well, but still you're in your twenties. Yeah. I'm in my twenties. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like, we'll get him next year. Uh, and that one decision, and that's the reason why we put it in the, in the first page of the book, that one decision would plague me for, you know, 10 to 15 years later mm -hmm. of, you know, um, of trying to fix the wreckage of my past, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. We're going to get into all of that, but I want to, you talked about your nickname. Of course, it's the situation. I love the origin story of the nickname. Can you tell my listeners what the origin story is? Uh, yes. Um, I had just been signed to um, a fitness and underwear modeling agency in New York city. Um, I had, you know, I had taken a Hail Mary uh, and sent some photos to a few agencies. And I had eventually been signed a few weeks later. So I was so excited. And in celebration with a couple of my fellas, uh, we went down to the shore, we went down to seaside. Um, and of course, um, you know, I had no shirt on, I was unbelievably ripped. I was so ripped up that you thought that my abs were uh, implants. <laughs> and I'm walking on the, the sidewalk and I pass a couple, a uh, a boyfriend and a girlfriend, and the girlfriend was holding her boyfriend's hand, and she's like, "Oh my God, honey, look at his abs!" And she pointed at me, and my buddies, you know, were like, "Oh man, that's, I mean, I mean, you kind of think like it's kind of a, a little bit inappropriate to do if you're mm -hmm. holding your boyfriend's hand," but we kind of chuckled and we're like, "Yo." That's definitely a situation. <laughs> and I fooled around even after that. I'm like, you know what the real situation is? I'm the situation. So eventually, weeks later, I'd have a casting call for MTV. Um, and they would ask me what my uh, nickname was. I first told them my nickname was uh, Mikey Apps because that my, my nickname in college was Mikey Apps. Mm -hmm. But immediately told me, that's you got anything better than that? And I said... Uh, I actually do. I said, uh, and I told them about the story uh, uh, from the uh, two weeks prior down at the shore when I got signed as a as an underwear model. Uh, and they're like, oh my God, that's brilliant. Do you have that trademark? And that's when I knew I was onto something. Mm -hmm. When uh, the producers of MTV were like, do you have that trademarked? I, 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 long story short was in the interview, I told them that it was trademarked, but it wasn't. Eventually, once I left 
that office, I called up uh, a family friend and said, I, we need to get a lawyer. I need to trademark something. Yeah. Well, sometimes you have to act as if, right? Like that's, yes, yes. you got to act as if, and, yes. and, and it worked look, and here's, here we are. And so, you know, I, I love hearing about the fame. It's so juicy and so entertaining, but also obviously the book has some serious points about the tax evasion and, uh, and drugs, which you candidly admit have been in the background of your life for much of it. And so at one point you dealt drugs and then you became addicted to prescription opiates. So I want you to tell my listeners and not even just, just really for hope, because there's somebody out here listening who may be in the throes of addiction as well, whatever it is, take us to your rock bottom moment and your darkest moment with your addiction. And then we'll talk about how you got out of it, but what was your absolute rock bottom moment? Oh, wow. Um, God, I, my, my rock bottom moment was probably in, uh, 2015, um, when, um, I had lost the millions. I had let my dreams slip out of, you know, my fingers. I had to downsize the Ferraris and the Lambos. Mm -hmm. Government was continuing to come after me for millions. I had spent about $1 million dollars on uh, attorney fees to defend my case to the point where uh, I eventually had to shake my attorney's hand as his bill was paid, but I could no longer pay for him. So now I wasn't represented in this big tax case, the United States versus the situation. Um, but before um, my attorney and uh, accountants had left me, they had informed me that I had spent a half a million dollars on uh oxycodone and and uh, cocaine uh yeah. from from atm withdrawals so that's how they discovered that mm. um so while this is all happening um i'm i'm now uh, down at rock bottom I'm, I'm now depressed anxiety through the roof um i have no money left um i'm three months late on on my uh, rent which was 2750 with my uh, apartment with my uh, girlfriend, um, about to be evicted. And again, uh, every obstacle and variable is against me right now. I felt horrible. I wanted to get out of feeling the way that I was feeling. I called up one of my boys. I'm like, listen, man, I'm like, uh, I'm like, yo, can we get anything? He's like, yeah, man, come pick me up. So at this particular point, get anything means I'm looking to cop some prescri prescription drugs, okay. which was the drug of, of choice for me. Yeah. So I go pick them up in my, uh, white Corvette, which uh, was one of the last high-end cars I had before I had to downsize totally. Mm -hmm. um, and once I pick him up, he's like, yo, we got to go to Newark. I'm like, yo, man, I can't go to Newark, man. I'm on one of the biggest television shows in the country. I'm like, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm like a big sign that says, come get me. Everybody right. knows who I am. I, you can't, we can't do that. You're crazy. Right. He's like, man, just stay in the car. He's like, I'll go in there. We'll be real quick. Don't worry. I got you. I'm like, all right, fine. So we go to Newark. Um, the whole time I, I'm going there, my phone's blowing up because now it's my girlfriend, uh, Lauren, who knows I'm up to no good, which I was up to no good. Mm -hmm. We get there. There's sirens going off. Um, I felt I felt horrible because I knew it was a horrible decision. Um, eventually, after, 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 after hour, after hour, um, he kept striking out. Eventually, he comes back to the car and he throws this bundle on my lap. And, um, my heart just sank. Mm. I was, 
I'm like, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. I'm like, bro, come like, come on, man. No, you didn't. I'm like, we just spent like three or four hours in Newark. I got my phone blowing up. It's my girlfriend. She knows I'm up to no good. I got my pretrial officer, um, you know, calling me. Um, like, are you serious? Because I I never thought that I would go this route. What he yeah. threw on my lap was heroin. Oh okay. wow. Okay. And heroin is a drug that most people don't come back from. Yeah. Right? Heroin is a drug that once you cross that line, um, you know, some sometimes people can pass, they can die. Um, it's just everybody knows. It's mm-hmm. it's like a taboo, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm sitting there like, oh man, like what am I gonna do? And deep down inside I knew I was gonna try it. I swear. Deep down inside, I'm like, all right, I guess I I I didn't want to I didn't want to go through withdrawals. And mm-hmm. and that, like I said, I spent all day in Newark and I'm like, oh my God, this is this is horrible. Eventually I got home. I got, I went upstairs. I told Lauren that I wanted to go to sleep early and that uh to just leave me alone for the night. It was like 7 30 or 8. So I knew nobody no one was gonna disturb me. Lauren was probably downstairs cleaning the kitchen. Um mm-hmm. so now I'm upstairs in this dark room. Um I always think like how the mighty have fallen in that moment, Uh, you know, as I was the, you know, at one particular point getting paid upwards of almost $200,000 an episode uh, to be on the biggest show in the country, which was Jersey shore. Um, And now I'm in this dark room um, doing something that I never saw thought that I would be doing. Um, So uh, I I take out this bundle bundle. I, I unwrap it with the, with the rubber bands um, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do a key bump of it. Mm-hmm. So I opened it up in this yellowy sandy substance. I tried it. And to be honest with you, I'm like, okay, it took the edge off. I, I, I didn't like it. I felt dirty, but I'm like, oh, I don't like it. Good. I'm like, I guess I can come back from this, this, this point of no return. Mm-hmm. And there was this little devil on my shoulders that was like, you know what? Like if you try a little bit more, maybe it'll get high and you'll like it. So in this moment, I feel that I was, uh, this was a, the biggest moment of my life. Yeah. Went in to try, uh, this second key bump. And as I went in, no joke, my mom called and I'm like, no way. I'm like, my mom's calling and my eyes and my ears were open up. were open just enough for me to answer it. So I answered it. I'm like, what's up, mom? She's like, are you okay? I'm like, uh, I'm fine. Why? What's up? She's like, I feel like something's wrong. And yeah. as soon as she said that, I'm like, this is too crazy. Yeah. This is like a sign from above. Totally. And, and I'm like, this is, you know, I'll be honest with you. I looked up at the sky because I was like, is there a hidden camera in my ceiling? <laughs> because this is just too crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, I'm fine, mom. And then, and then she, and I, I, I still left her on the line. And the, at the same time, the, um, the, the door uh, that I heard a door, uh, I'm sorry, I heard a, a knock at the door mm-hmm. and it's like an abrasive knock. And I'm like, this is too crazy. I mean, on one hand, I got the phone. On the other hand, I got the second bump of heroin that I'm about to do that possibly could have taken my life. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, um, I was like, this is too much. I took it as a sign of uh, from above that God had sent down two angels who was 
my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife and my mom. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I immediately flushed the drugs down the toilet. At that moment, I had a tear coming down my eye because I thought I did something that I never thought I was going to do. Mm-hmm. My mom was on the phone at the same time and my girlfriend was at the door and I was like, this is crazy. No coincidence at all. None. Uh, so I, I immediately opened the door. I obviously, you know, had flushed the drugs down the toilet and hung up with my mom. I embraced my then girlfriend and we both were crying. She probably knew that something was wrong. Um, and I said, listen, I have a problem and I have to put my hand up and I got to surrender. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Um, and I have to call, uh, the, the government. I literally called the government like that moment. I Mm -hmm. called my officer and I'm like, I have a problem. I need to go to rehab. And the next day I was in rehab and, and, um, and I never look back. I mean, you're uh, right now. Uh, today, I just celebrated eight years of sobriety. Today, it yeah. was today. oh wow! Yeah. Congratulations! That's uh, well, amazing. Uh, yeah, but long story short, uh, it, it, the day is December twenty fourth. Okay. Uh, but every year, like clockwork, I celebrate the whole month Absolutely. of sobriety. As you should. As you should. I'm just as you were yeah. saying that, I was just thinking you know what you with your platform because you have a larger platform than than most you weren't meant to die that night you were meant to share this story and i hate that you had to go to that depth of rock bottom but only from there could the, a story this powerful emerge and i have no doubt that that was god that had your mom call you that had lauren knock on the door and i'm so thankful that you're sitting here with me and cheers to december i hope you do celebrate all month because you deserve that, that yeah. is, that's so brave yeah no i celebrate all month uh, uh starting december 1st every year uh, and we just i just posted on my socials that i'm eight years clean and sober because i think it's so important to scream from the rooftops um these success stories and shine mm-hmm. this light bright for people that are suffering not only from addiction addiction but also from other obstacles and not believing in yourself and and depression and self-doubt um, and you know, I, I scream my successes from the, from the rooftop to let everybody know the comeback is greater than the setback. That's right. And then you go into recovery, you write that it became my passion. It still is. I used my obsessive personality to get and stay clean. My sobriety came first in everything I did. As long as I kept that in the for- forefront of my mind, everything else would be a breeze. My, I love this Mike so much. My new drug of choice was growth. All yeah. energy went into being my best self. I was determined to complete a legendary comeback. The situation was morphing into the inspiration. That's good stuff. So I, I want you to go back to that man on December 24th of 2015, what would you, what would you say to him in that where you, where you have the, the heroin in one hand and the phone in the other, what would you say to him? That make me cry. You can Uh, cry. That's okay. Um, damn, I'd have to tell him, man, don't give up on yourself because anybody listening to that story, you can tell that in that moment, I gave up on myself. I put my life on the line. You know, I, I tried something that I never thought I was going to try. Um, that risky behavior, um, a lot of times people don't come back from that, you know, mm-hmm. um, even today, the drugs are laced with, you know, fentanyl and one key bump, uh, one pill are, are killing people these days. Absolutely. Yep. So um, I would tell myself that you 
are worth it and and and, mm-hmm. and and don't ever give up on yourself um and just you know keep moving forward one day at a time i mean listen i i do believe that god spared me mm-hmm. so that i could to be honest with you, write this book and shine the from the rooftop. That story is just so profound and so powerful um, that I almost cry every time I I speak it. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that this book was absolutely meant to be written. And you write in the book that if people, if only people knew what I'd had to go through in order to make it to this table, you're talking about that's at the very end of the book. I won't spoil that. But in addition to recovery, so you're going through a lot at this time in your life. In addition to recovery, you also, as we kind of alluded to a minute ago, went to jail for tax evasion. So I'm wondering, because you have a lot of time to think in there. So what's the biggest lesson that you learned while you were inside? Oh, nice. Um, I learned to be totally accountable for every decision in your life. Mm-hmm. Every single one. If you are unhappy with anything in your life, you need to go into that mirror and uh, talk to the person in charge. Um, because if I wasn't uh, uh, guilty, then they wouldn't have sent me to prison. Um, and even though I had people working for me, even though I had managers, I had publicists, I had accountants, um, and, and, uh, it doesn't matter. I was, uh, if you have checks and balances in life, but you don't check and balance and you're an absentee leader, mm-hmm. then I get what you're going to get. And that was, uh, I eventually, uh, my risky behavior was, had me sent to prison. Mm-hmm. Well, we saw beautiful Lauren as we logged on a minute ago. I just like Lauren, if if you're still sitting there, I want you to be like, you deserve all of the roses. Lauren, Lauren is amazing. And Lauren in the book, like the stories of her, she's your wife now, but you have been together for a long, long, long time. And she has had an immense impact on your life. And you're not shy about talking about that, which I love. And she deserves every bit of the praise. So I would love to give you the floor right now to explain you. You might cry on this question, Mike. I'd love to give you the floor to explain Lauren's impact on you. Oh God. Yeah. This one's definitely uh, a tough one for me. My, um, my wife um, has been in my life for most of my life. Um, She has has loved me when, when I uh, didn't love myself. Uh, She inspired me um, when I, you know, when I wanted to give up on myself, she inspired me multiple times throughout our lives. Uh, The first time was when um, we had broken up early on in, after college, we had dated for four years. Um, and she had went for her dreams in uh, the fashion world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want her to be the, the, the girl that got away. I, I knew that she was the one, she was my true love. She was when she was, when I was my happiest self. And so that, had spurred me on to go for my dreams in entertainment. And I wanted to, to be honest with you in the beginning, I wanted to model my career after uh, Mark Wahlberg. So I sent mm-hmm. into fitness and underwear modeling agencies, which ironically that Hell Mary was completed. And I was signed early on to, to underwear model that journey. Once I was on it, um, I ran into casting agents for uh, VH1 and that's how uh, I originally was uh, discovered. Mm-hmm. So if if it wasn't for my wife, even though we had broken up, I I wouldn't have uh, made it to TV. Um, but then back in 2013, um, when I reconnected with my wife, 
Um, I had realized before I even reconnected with my, my, my wife that I wasn't even happy. I had millions of dollars. I had the love and adoration of America um, and all these quick hookups. And I, I, I guess I'll say it, these orgies, they, mm-hmm. they, weren't, they weren't satisfying. Yeah. I wanted more for my life. And, um, and, 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 and what I realized what was, was in, what was most important was, was the intangibles in life and, and the love of a, of a good woman and family and love that and experience that was the most important to me. So when we reconnected in 2013, I was in the throes of addiction, but just me reconnecting with Lauren at the time had spurred me uh, this renewed sense of trying to recover from addiction, which I eventually did, but only because I wanted to start a family. I I wanted to to have kids. I wanted to th- that was the ultimate end goal, you know. Um, so if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have the motivation I did throughout my life to uh, be the man that that I ended up being. I guess. Absolutely. Well, Lauren deserves every bit of the praise. And as we start to close our time together, I want to know, I've always wondered about this, you know, when you have kind of, I guess, an alter ego, what is the difference between the persona of the situation and then Mike Sorrentino, the man himself? Well, early on, um, I'd have to say that the situation was a more extra version of, of uh, Mike Sorrentino. Mm-hmm. Um and and then obviously uh, once the money and the fame uh, and the adoration came, I think the line started to blur, and I it was hard to separate that. Um, today, today though, the Mike Sorrentino that you see on TV, uh, the inspiration, uh, the man that's eight years clean and sober, the uh, the man that's a, a dad first and a husband uh, dedicated to his family, uh, you know the masks don't come on and off. You, it's pretty much the same same person. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of being a family man, you're a dad now to Romeo and Mia and you just, the love that you have for them and Lauren, it's, it's so inspirational to see. And you write in the book that your next chapter is called peace. So I want to ask you, are you at peace? Oh God, I, I definitely am at peace. Um, every day that I come down um, and hear the kids and, and, and the family has a group hug, um, all the pain and all the suffering, uh, and sacrifice that I've been through, it's, it's all worth it. You know, um, this right here is the winning lotto ticket and, and that's, you know, family and love and the almighty above the other stuff are distractions, you know, and that was like my earlier life. And I think that's, um, a lot of the times young men, uh, they get confused what living your, your best life really is. Yeah, I would think they would think that it was, you know, you at 26, the yes, situation yes. being a millionaire, being on television, being yep. famous, women throwing themselves at you, but you figured it out. And what a blessing that you had the chance to to be able to do that. And I truly believe that God spared your life so you could write this book so that, or so someone listening right now will go pick up the book, read it and see that you can be in the depths of addiction and recovery is possible. And it's beautiful, Mike, that you've turned your pain into purpose. And my last question for you is what do you hope readers close the book and say, because the end is very powerful. I won't spoil it, but what do you hope they say when they close the book? 
Um, I just, um, I just know that uh, when, when the fans and the readers and even any, even naysayers in the public read the book, I think that they are going to laugh. They're going to cry. They're going to be shocked and inspired by reading this book. It's definitely going to save uh, a, a ton of lives, mm-hmm. I, I think thousands, maybe millions. Uh, I think it's also going to be eventually be a movie. It's it's such a page turner. Totally. Um, but I want people to understand that um, the comeback is always greater than the setback. No matter what you mm-hmm. face in life, don't give up on yourself. Um, uh, you know, and don't forget to love yourself. The book is so honest and real. I thank you for writing it. It will save lives and you should be very proud of that. The book is called Reality Check, Making the Best of the Situation, which is actually like the best, one of the best subtitles I've ever heard. It's uh, it's out December 19th, Mike. I'm just at a loss for words. Thank you so much for being here today. It's so powerful. Oh, thank you so much. What a story. What a story. Thank you, Mike, for being so candid and vulnerable in sharing it, not just in the book, but in our conversation. As he says, the comeback is always better than the setback, and he is proof. His life now as a family man with his wife, Lauren, and their son and daughter is about to get even more full in 2024 as Lauren is pregnant with their third child and is due in March. Such happy news. Mike's book, again, is called Reality Check, Making the Best of the Situation, and it is out as of December 19th. Listeners, we've got so much more for you in season nine, including a conversation I'm so excited to share with you later this week with none other than Candace Bushnell, creator of Sex in the City and one of my favorite writers, both nonfiction and fiction. You won't want to miss it. See you Thursday. Thursday.